0: Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots
1: Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. The inaugural New York State Hockey Hall of Fame induction ceremony took place Sunday night at the Hilton Garden Inn in Troy, New York. It was a great time, and plenty of stories were swapped during the event. I had the opportunity to attend the event, and I spoke to three NHL greats, Bob Nystrom and Butch Goring, who won four straight Stanley Cups with the New York Islanders in the 1980s, and Hockey Hall of Famer Pat LaFontaine, who played for all three New York State National Hockey League teams. Let's start with Bob Nystrom. He is forever entrenched in Islanders history, for scoring the game-winning goal in overtime of Game 6 on May 24, 1980 to beat my Philadelphia Flyers and start the Islanders on their streak of four straight Stanley Cups. Nystrom was a tough, talented player. In chatting with him on Sunday, I can say that he is a class act and a wonderful person. We talked about that goal during my conversation with him. Well, Bob Nystrom, I appreciate you doing this, but first of all, I want to tell you, May 24th, 1980, you broke my heart in Game 6 of the uh, Cup Final there. for for you, what was that like? Well, first of all, I
0: I can't say that I was really disappointed. (laughs) No, you know what? It's changed my life. Uh, It's been just absolutely incredible. Uh, I was just so glad to score the goal for the fans and for my teammates. And you know what? I don't know how many years it's been now, but people still come over and tell me where they were when I
1: scored. There's a lot of misconception about that goal. I mean, there was a controversial goal in that game in the first yeah, period, the yeah, offside goal yeah, Leon yeah, Stickle yeah. missed. Yeah. But some people are always saying that it was your goal. And I always say, no, that your goal was clean. No problem. Pete Peters never getting over the cover that side.
0: It was a perfect pass yeah. by John Tonelli. I mean, he he did the right thing. I mean, Pete Peters... He, he, he came out, he had to come out because Johnny was on his offside, right? But JT, not rather than shooting, he, he passed it to me and passed it hard. So all I had to really do was deflect it. Mm-hmm. But uh, it, it was a play that we practiced a thousand times in practice, and you know, needless to say, our defenseman knew what we were doing. <laughs> yeah,
1: true, <laughs> but it worked
0: perfectly yeah, in that game. Fine.
1: How much of a relief was that for you guys? Because you guys were always on the cusp, but falling short. Seventy-eight against the Maple Leafs in quarterfinals and yeah, yeah. overtime, losing to the Rangers in seventy-nine, and I, I always. See that image of Dennis Potvin on the ice, mm-hmm. exhausted, watching the celebration. So, how much pressure was there on you guys in seventy nine eighty to, because to get there, and if because if not, you guys may have broken up. Well, I
0: thought that they were going to do that when we lost to the Rangers, but you know, instead they went out and got Butch Goring, who was just a tremendous addition to the team, Kenny Morrow, and then Gordy Lane. So. Um, You know, hey listen, we we were ahead by two goals going into the third period and uh, when we walked back in after the third period it was tied, but we always felt that we were going to win in overtime.
1: I always remember that whole series. Your, your power play was just so awesome. You guys won game one in overtime in the spectrum on a yeah. uh, p- power play. Uh, Jimmy Watson got called. I believe sleeves for holding. You guys end up winning that game in the overtime. And, just, and back then, I mean, obviously referees a lot more vigil- vigilant with calling penalties as maybe yeah. they are now. Yeah. But, I mean, how important was that power play to you know, help you guys win that series?
0: Oh, there's no question about it. I mean, in my mind, and you know, I'll be talking about it a little bit tonight. You know, with Clark and Mike Bossy passing away, uh, they took the other team out of their game sometimes because they couldn't afford to take a penalty because these guys would score. And so, I would have to say that they negated the opportunity to intimidate.
1: I'll ask you right now about as you mentioned Clark Gillies and Mike Bossy. Let's start with Clark first of all. Tough as nails on the ice, I mean, I, he had some memorable fights with Terry O'Reilly. I think early in his career with Dave Schultz. Yep. Uh, but off the ice, I, mean, I I see him in interviews, and just as sweet as could be, a wonderful Jim. I mean, I, I'm I'm sad he's not here tonight. I mean, I would have loved to meet him. What was he like, as a teammate and a friend?
0: Well, you're taking my speech away because uh, <laughs> I'm I'm I did his eulogy also in, in in New York, and he he was tough as nails, but he was soft. And, so soft, really, you know, I mean, every time he went to a charity event, I mean, we took a bet as to who would cry first, him or John Schmidt, and it was always Clark. I mean, he did so much, and I'm going to talk about that tonight. He <laughs> he, he, was out every night helping people, and there they're just they're, wasn't a better or better, nicer, sweeter guy than Clark Gillies.
1: And now Mike Bossy recently passed away but from lung cancer, and he also lost key Floor, another yeah. and outstanding. Uh, Fosse was just a pure goal scorer. I mean, you cannot stop him and just, you know, he, he's a player that this I think this modern NHL needs where you don't have guys just speeding down the wings, firing slap shots. It's all you know, dump and chasing, trying to muck it up. But, yeah, you know, what just how much uh, the talent he had, it Just can you talk about that? Well, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you
0: the first thing about him is he wanted perfection. Uh, he was a guy that, that was, you know, out in practice, Practicing with the goaltenders, you know, like I mean it wasn't as if he just got it I mean the fact is that he practiced and his whole goal was to be the best in the league From a goal standpoint point standpoint and you know the two guys that were with him really complimented him Clark and, and, and also Trotsch, Uh They knew where he'd be and, and they just wanted to try to get him the puck because he he'd put it behind the goaltender
1: the trade that brought Butch Goring to the Islanders. I mean, did, when when you heard that this trade was being made, did you guys think at the time that is this the trade is going to give us four straight Stanley Cups?
0: Well, when you looked at our team, I mean, the fact is that uh, he turned out to be our second centerman, and needless to say, he played again you know with Butch or with uh, the, the, Dwayne Sutter, and I think Anders Klerk. You know. Uh, and, and, and he was a penalty killer also. I mean, so he was he, he was a great find, and, you know, like, you'd come back to the bench, and you'd be pissed, and he would rub you on the back and say, oh, that's okay. You'll
1: you get a neck shift. And so, from that
0: standpoint, he was just a real great teammate.
1: When you won the Cup in 80, and then you won, won, won in 81, 82, and 83, did, did you guys realize how special things were? You? Did you guys relax after winning 80, after winning in 80? I mean, that make it the runs in 81, 82, 83 are much easier?
0: I don't think we even thought about it. You you know, like, I mean, our whole goal was to to get another one and another one and another one. And, you know, we just weren't the type of guys to pat ourselves on the back and then, and and who could do it without? (laughs) You know, you didn't want to take too many chances on that front. But no, I, we just wanted another one. We wanted another one. How
1: oh, yeah. uh, Al Albert? Al Albert? Al, 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 yeah, I could talk. Coach yeah. Arbor. Al Albert. What was he like <laughs> as a coach? Was he was he a tough coach? But you, looking back, on, you know, after your playing days, me, you, you, did you appreciate what he had done? He
0: probably had the second most input, and he affected my life. You know. I mean, my parents were first, but but Al Arbor was a guy that taught me so many things. And I'm going to talk about Al tonight. Uh, He he was a remarkable man. Uh, He was the type of guy that uh, he knew when to kick and he knew when to caress because uh, he, he was a philosopher i mean it, it was just absolutely we think that we'd be getting shit and and he would just come in and say hey boys you know we're doing great everything's going fine so he, he was the best
1: the alander team obviously this year struggled a little bit i mean there were some circumstances beyond their control they opened up with what 13 straight road games and and then COVID hits, and then Barry Trotz has surprisingly fired I me. Mean, what, what do the Outers have to do to get back to the level that you guys are at? I mean, this team this team went to the semifinals the last two years. Okay, I'm going to compare it to us.
0: Okay. We won uh, the President's Cup in 78, lost to the Rangers in 79. And I think that these guys kind of did what we did is they thought they could just float and get into the playoffs. And in this league, it's not happening And so I'm looking for a really good year next year. Um, You know, they're going to probably make a couple of
1: changes, but they're they're a good hockey club. How has being a part of the Islanders organization for as many years? You're known as Mr. Islander. I mean, what does that mean to you?
0: It's the most, uh, it's the nicest compliment I could ever get. You know, I got a chance when I was uh, a kid. Someone made a phone call for me, and you know what, uh, to be named Mr. Islander. Uh, that, that's as good as it gets.
1: How has the game changed from the time you played? I mean, it's, it seems a lot faster now, but I mean, the, the, maybe the toughness is not as there as it used to be. I mean, we, I don't want to say bench clearing brawls, man, obviously, but I mean, it seems like it's more of a muck and grind game than maybe when you guys played.
0: Oh, I disagree with I you there. Okay. Oh, yeah, these guys are more talented. They're faster. They're better. Uh, there's no question about it. I mean, the things that they do with the puck and, and the speed that they go back and forth. I mean, it's unbelievable. And as far as the fighting goes, there's still a few. You know, every once in a while you've got to tone somebody down. But uh, I think that that's the chivalrous part
1: about hockey is the fact that they drop their gloves and battle it out. In this Sally Cap era, can a team go win four in a row? I mean, we're seeing the Tampa Bay Lightning right now with two in a row and look like they're going to knock off the Florida Panthers as we speak here. Uh, can, can it happen? Well... I think it's going to be tough.
0: Uh, I think that Tampa's got a hell of a team. But there's other teams that are catching up and getting better every year. And they're going to probably challenge. But uh, I think
1: it's a tough task. Well, Bob, I appreciate you talking to me, even though I'm a Flyers fan and grew up in Philadelphia. And you broke my heart. Uh, It's been an honor to be able to talk to you here on the Parting Shots podcast. Thank you. Well, it's my pleasure. Coming up, I'll speak with Butch Goring. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast.
2: It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student athletes in New York have one last request.
1: Please set an example.
2: Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association.
1: Hi, I'm Union Hockey alum and
3: Hall of Famer Dalton Menhol. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast.
1: Up next is the other Islanders legend I spoke with, Butch Goring. He started his career with the Los Angeles Kings before Islanders General Manager Bill Torrey traded for him late in the 1979-80 season. That trade solidified the Islanders. Goring won the Conn Smythe Trophy as the most valuable player of the Stanley Cup playoffs in 1981. Capital Region Hockey fans will remember Goring as coach of the American Hockey League's Capital District Islanders when they played at RPI's Houston Fieldhouse from 1990 to '93. We talked about that along with the Cup years and what went wrong with the Islanders this season. Yeah. Well, Butch, uh, welcome back to the area. It's been—it's been a while since you've been here. has to...
2: it, it really has, and uh, I, I have to say, when uh, I lived in Clifton Park, so uh, my my daughters grew up here and went to school, and I, uh, my oldest at Shenandoah, and, and uh, so we, we 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 had a good time and. Uh, I, I enjoyed Troy. We didn't draw very well. I mean, the, the college team got all the, all the attendance, <laughs> but that's okay. But um, we had fun, and, and I know the players that were here, we, uh, you know, we tried hard. We enjoyed ourselves, and I think the last year we were here, we actually did pretty well.
1: Yeah, I mean, you guys made the playoffs. I think the last two years, guys made the playoffs. But what was it like? Because I mean, Obviously, you came here. They brought an IHL team to Albany. You had the Glens Falls and the Adirondack Red Wings. I mean, was it tough trying to, to have three teams in the area like that? Well, I don't know.
2: I mean, obviously, we went to an area we thought would, would be okay because they liked hockey. At least we thought they did. Obviously, they do. They love college hockey. But, um, you know, I think from my perspective, is just that uh, the New York Island organization wanted to make sure they could develop their players, and, and that was the biggest thing. So playing the American Hockey League, um, I don't know what the financial arrangement was, but I think for, you know, for me and all the players, we just tried to do the best we could. And whatever support we got, uh, that, that was great. But most importantly is, you know, Allow these guys to have an opportunity to play in the National Hockey League.
1: You're getting inducted in the New York State, the inaugural New York State Hall of Fame. Uh, here, what does that mean to you?
2: Well, it's it's a tremendous honor, and and you know it's not something you think about when you're when when you're a player or a person. that's uh, you know that lived in New York for for a long period of time. Uh, so it's uh, it comes as a, as a real surprise for uh, for me and. And to think that I'm going to be one of the uh, one of the first people to, to to get inducted that that makes it just a little bit more special. So, um, as I told Renee, I'm, i I mean I'm thrilled to death. I mean uh, I drove up three hours to, to be part of the ceremonies, and it's just uh, you know these are things I think when when after they happen you start to realize just how, how you know how how nice an event it is and and just what a tremendous honor it is.
1: Well, the impact that you had when Bill Tory made that trade. Uh, in 1980, to get you the album from the Los Angeles Kings. I, I grew up in Philadelphia, so I'm a Flyers fan. Yeah, we. I don't think we thought much of the trade at the time. We're thinking, yeah, what, what's, what's Goring got, a, how much of an impact? But four Stanley Cups later, and a fifth <laughs> appearance. of I mean, uh, you, you. What, what were your thoughts when you got traded?
2: Well, as as I've said on many occasions, I didn't like the trade because I didn't want to leave LA. I was very, very happy uh, in in LA, but. You know, uh, in hindsight, once I uh, sort of settled down a little bit, uh, I knew it was going to be a good trade for for me. First and foremost, the New York Islanders played a similar style to the way I like to play. Al Arbor was a former Toronto Maple Leaf, so that meant checking first, offense second, right up my uh, my alley. Um, They had a really good hockey team. They were number one in the league the year before, albeit they got beat out in the uh, quarterfinals I believe it was so um, I think for the first time in my life uh, I said you know what I I might be part of a team that wins the Stanley Cup because in LA it didn't look like it and uh, now now, now there's an opportunity.
1: Yeah, that team obviously winning. I mean, winning that first one seemed to really get them going because I mean that that team was under pressure because you know as you said they you know, they lost 78 to the Leafs, 79 to the Rangers, and you know 80 was probably the year they I mean, they don't make it. You know, there's going to be massive changes, and to be able to do what you guys did, you look back now and just how, how amazed are you by that?
2: Well not, not not so much amazed, I mean obviously um, I wasn't part of you know the the 78 team or the 79 team and i and I did realize that they uh, were under a lot of pressure because everybody felt they should have won b before and and you know the hardest thing is to get over that hump boy and and uh, and you mentioned that i mean once once the team won the eighty Cup, the game was over for the rest of the league they really had no chance and I, and, I, and I don't mean that in a negative fashion to say that the rest of the league was terrible. We just we just had so much confidence that um, we never better than Eyelash. We understood exactly what we needed to do to win a hockey game. We certainly had the talent and uh, Cup 2, 3 and 4 really was relatively easy. Um, the finals against Edmonton and the Cup 4 um, put a little stress on us uh, even though we still won four straight but um, I mean when you look at the team winning Sweeping the semis, sweeping the finals two years in a row. I mean, I think that just tells you how strong that team was. Yeah.
1: Let's talk modern-day irons a little bit here. I mean, the, they, they, the Irons had a tough go this year. I mean, yeah, they had it opened up on the road with a lot of games because the new, new arena wasn't ready yet. And COVID was an issue again. And I think a lot of the hockey world was shocked that uh, Barry Trotz was fired. What, what, what happened this year?
2: Well, I, I don't know what happened with Barry Trotz, other than Lou Lamorello decided to make a move. But, uh, you know, with the team, uh, uh, you're 100% right. I mean, it, it was a, a tough start, uh, 13 games on the road. You know, you like to kind of jump out of the gate, and having 13 on the road, uh, the best you could hope for is 500 hockey. They didn't quite get to there. Um, so that, that, that made it a little bit more difficult and then COVID really, really killed this hockey team they, they went 2-8 and eight in November and unfortunately for the Islanders they were one of the first victims of COVID and the league really didn't know what to do whether you know is four players out, is five, is six, is seven. No, nobody knew what to do, and we had eight or nine out at different times, and, and uh, so the honors took a beating there. And that really, for me, uh, ended their season. It was going to be a it was going to be a deep hold to, to try and drag their way out of it, and and for the most part, they they could never find themselves off after that. They just I don't know whether they didn't believe or, or it was just such a difficult task. And remember, there was two or three stretches where they played two games and took ten days off, two games so. It was just, you know, it wasn't their year, I guess is the yeah. best way to say it.
1: Yeah. Uh, what should fans know about Lane Lambert, the new coach? Well, uh, you know,
2: he, he's, he's a great guy, first and foremost. Uh, he knows the game. I mean, he has been an assistant coach or associate coach with Barry Trotz. So um, he's well prepared. He's watched someone who's survived in the National Hockey League as long as anybody in the history of the game and has won a Stanley Cup. So he's, uh, he's got plenty of experience, plenty to learn from, from Barry, and, and he's coached himself. So um, he, he, he's ready, you know, and he who knows the team better than Lane Lambert to come in and and not have to turn everything upside down. So he understands the flaws on that team, understands the personality. So I think he's really a good choice.
1: It's been a tough year off the ice for the hours, obviously, losing Clark Gillies, Jean Potvin, and uh, Mike Bossy. I mean, talk about their impact Especially uh, Gillies and uh, uh, Bossy.
2: Well, you know what? All all three guys from, uh, you know, uh, it's been really a difficult year. I mean, uh, the, the team on the ice had a tough time. And then it just complicated the fact of losing three of our teammates and, uh, uh, you know, Johnny Pop then, uh, most people don't know what a good guy he was, how funny a guy he was, and, and he played his part in the early Cups and, and, and we miss him dearly and uh, I played with him in Springfield, won a call the cup together, we played in LA together, so there's a lot of history between John and, and myself. and. Well, when you talk about Bossy and Clark Gillies, you're talking about two Hall of Famers uh, and, and two people that you just can't replace in your, own, in your own world, in your own living world, I guess, so to speak. And That's been really hard because it, it went by quickly and it kind of followed one right after the other. So you're trying to digest losing Clark Gillies and then along comes Mike Bossy and, and he's gone from the picture. So tremendous loss um, for the fans. For the hockey world and 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 a tremendous loss for his teammates yeah
1: I remember John Potvin being part of two big trades with the Flyers you know, coming to LA from LA with Ross Lonsbury bill Flett, Eddie Joyle right uh, and then you know the next season he was traded to the Outers for Terry Chris because I think they wanted to have Dennis Potvin when he, they knew they were going to dra- draft Den- Denny Potvin and his brother so I mean True. It, it, it worked I think trade worked out for everybody
2: it, it it really did and yeah you're absolutely right there's no question that they brought John back because they knew that the, the, that would entice Dennis Potvin into <coughs> To, uh, be- becoming an Islander,
1: how much are you enjoying uh, the TV side here?
2: Uh, very much so. You know, there are there, I, I've been fortunate. I've been in hockey my whole life, right? Pretty much, and, as, and especially as a pro for the last really 50, 50 years or so. And uh, you know, you want to be a player, and then you want to be a coach, and then you want to be a broadcaster, and, 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 and in that order. <laughs> And, and uh, it keeps me around the game that I, that I have a tremendous passion for. And uh, generally speaking, you can get around the players and chat with them. So it, it feels good to be around young people, doesn't it?
1: Yes, it does. I mean, and Brendan Burke, you got a great play-by-play announcer there with him there.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And again, I, I've been really fortunate. I mean, I started my career with no experience, and I had Howie Rose, who, who was marvelous for me and really helped me out at different times, and then I've had Jiggs McDonald, the Another Islander guy, and I'm, I'm talking about two Hall of Famers yeah. here, so that's a pretty good start for me to get some tutoring and as to what the, what it's all about. And then Brendan Burke might, might might be the best play-by-play guy in the National Hockey League right now. So I've I've been really fortunate to have had three really good people to work with, and and so um, I'm enjoying myself.
1: Yeah, I was just thinking now, going back to the guys. You, you know, some players, some of your players ended up in management. Kevin Shevold day J.M. of the uh, Winnipeg Jets. Tra- Travis Green was a coach uh, in uh, Utica, and then later with Vancouver. So you got you gotta be proud of that.
2: I, I'm really happy. Uh, actually, Brendan Burke and I talk about the tree of the Butch Goring coaching <laughs> parade, and, and and there's quite a number. I mean, Derek Laxdal was in Dallas, and he he was another player, and uh, Derek was King uh, Derek too. Derek King it? is another guy, and and uh, actually Tommy Fitzgerald, they coached a little bit. Yeah. So it's uh, there's a there's been a big influence, uh, you know, with Islanders and with other people I've coached. So uh, I'm I'm pretty happy with that. It makes me think that I did a lot of things the the right way, and and uh, obviously the players uh, took to it and, and said okay. well, what he was telling us uh,
1: has some value. Final question for you, Butch. How has the game changed from the time you played to what we see now? <laughs> well
2: you know my biggest thing is people say they're better than we were and that's not, to me that's just not true. The, the, the game is different. Um, you know the, the rules have changed the game to allow it to be a different game. I mean they're, they're fast out there. There are there, are, there are very very few people who can't skate extremely well playing in the game today because that's what it demands and everybody gets prepared for that. Um, it, it's, it's a different game and I think everybody that played in my era the 60s, 70s or even the 80s you know we all like that era. We, we all like that style of game. We're not as fond as this style of game, but it doesn't mean that it's any different. and doesn't mean that it's any better or any worse. It, it's still hockey.
1: It seemed like uh, if I watch old tapes I and mean, uh, videos of uh, the 70s games, you guys were out there for like two minutes of shifts at that, at that time. Well, like I said, it was is a
2: different a different pace game and a different style of game. I mean, there was a lot of hooking away from the from the uh, from the play from the puck, so it was hard to get through speed. Now the guys can go through the go through the neutral zone 100 miles an hour. Nobody steps in front of them. Nobody puts a hook on them. So it's it's a different style of game. So you know you're you're uh, exerting more energy now in today's game because of that. Where before you you know someone was holding you, well, you weren't doing anything then, and and so you had more energy and you you stayed longer. And like I said, it, it was. It's just a different style of game. And, uh, you know, whether you like it, uh, there's a lot of people didn't like 70s hockey, and there are a lot of people that don't like 2020
1: hockey. Well, budget congratulations on your induct- induction, and uh, thanks for catching up with me. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Coming up, I'll talk with Hockey Hall of Famer Pat LaFontaine here on the Parting Shots Podcast. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down
3: to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in New York. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Mark Kestesher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and proud member of the 518 from Gilderland High School. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Shot. Now, here's Ken. Welcome back to the podcast.
1: My next guest is Pat LaFontaine. LaFontaine played for the Oilers, Buffalo Sabres, and New York Rangers, the only player to play for all three New York State teams. He collected 1,013 points in a career that spanned from 1984 to 1998. LaFontaine is best remembered for scoring the epic Easter game-winning goal in the fourth overtime of Game 7 against the Washington Capitals to clinch the 1987 Patrick Division semifinal series. Here is Pat
3: LaFontaine.
1: Well, Pat, appreciate you coming. Congratulations. What does this mean, being inducted into the inaugural class of the New York State Hockey Hall of Fame?
3: Oh, it's a tremendous honor. Um, You know, I was born in St. Louis, and I I was raised, left when I was seven, played a lot of my minor hockey um, in Michigan, but then I became a New York guy. I was Islanders, Sabres, Rangers. The big joke we always talk about is probably the only player in the history of hockey or, or sports to be traded twice, and never change his license plate. So <laughs> so New York State is, uh, they all joke, you're a New York State kind of guy. Yeah. And so this is a tremendous honor, just very humbled and honored. I mean, you're probably one of the rare people, players that have played all three teams in this state. I, I'm the only one that's just played for those three. There, I think there are three or four other guys that have played for those three, but other teams. So I, I had the good fortune of just playing for those three.
1: You broke in with the Alleners late in the uh, 84, 83, 84 season coming off the Olympics. First of all, let me talk about the 84 Olympics. I mean, uh, what was was there an enormous amount of pressure trying
3: to do what the 80 team did? Well, yeah. I mean, listen, you're following a miracle, right? Um, but we had two, Bob Harrington, Phil Fakoda were two guys that were on our team in 84 that played in 80, and they were great. Lou Varro as our coach. Uh, we have a hell of a team. We we got, you know, we were 500, we were 2 2 and 2. We lost the first one to Canada, which was tough. But um, I still think we had a great team. Uh, we, we didn't fare as well in Sarajevo. Uh, but the experience is uh, you can't put a price tag on. I, I am so lucky and grateful that I had a chance to play and wear you know, red, white, and blue and, and listen to our national anthem in another country.
1: And then you joined the Outers right after that, you know, a team that had won four straight Stanley Cups. What was that like, joining a oh, team like that?
3: It was every kid's dream. I mean, 1980, uh, two things happened. I, I watched... The, the Olympic team win the gold medal and I watched Bobby Nystrom score to put the Islanders on the map and win a, the Stanley Cup and in my wildest dreams did you think I could within a week play on both of them and then line up and have Bobby as my winger and Tonelli as my other winger so it was every, every kid's dream and um, I was very lucky and very fortunate and as, as I said I met my wife in Huntington um, New York's home uh, our kids are born and raised in either they're born to one of them in Huntington, New York, the other two in Buffalo uh, and then, you know, played my last year as a Ranger. And I, I just feel very grateful and, and just, you know, it's a privilege to play in the National Hockey League. It's a privilege to play this game. I'm fortunate because the game has taught me so much and given me so much.
1: We just came upon the 35th anniversary of the uh, Eastern night epic. Uh, yeah. What do you remember about that night? And uh, It was a long night and you, know, you obviously scored the goal in the fourth overtime. And uh, How exhausted were you after you scored it?
3: Well, somehow we found energy. I think the first five, seven minutes of each period, we came out like gangbusters. Then the last 13 or 15 minutes, we were just hanging on. And... Um, Miko Mackel and I—we were taking. We asked if we could have oxygen. Believe it or not, that we were able to get some. We were trying to load up on, uh, on a bunch of fruits and carbohydrates and all this stuff. And we just kind of said, "Hey, somebody's going to be the hero." The goalie saw everything, and uh, my wildest dreams—I think we were going to score in the fourth overtime, two o'clock in the morning. Uh, But I remember most about that team was that we were down three games to one, and we found a way to come back and force a game seven. Trotz scored with five minutes to go, and then we played a whole other game. Uh, but but you know what? Um, it was it was part of Islander history. You, you find a way to win in overtime, and uh, Bobby knows that well. Clark, he knows that well. Butchie knows that well. And um, it, it's one of my fondest memories. Hey, well, you
1: mentioned Clark. and mentioned uh, You know obviously, he's passed away. Mike Bossy passed away. Jean Poppett. I mean, how tough has this been
3: for the Islanders organization? It's been a tremendously tough season. Uh, Thanks, John. five or six Thank months. You. I know Pam's here. In fact, I'm looking here now and Hi, Bobby's going to be here and, um, you know, Mike you Bossy good. and we lost Jean-Paul Fent. It's been a, it's been hard. hard. It's been hard. They were teammates and great guys and too, way too young um, and they're going to be missed greatly. So I, I, it's wonderful that Clarky's being honored, um, Butchie's being honored, obviously, and, and, um, and Bobby and I. Those guys were all heart and soul type of players, so it's nice that you guys are recognizing them. How much fun was it playing in Buffalo? It's awesome. I, I loved, had some of my best career years. I played with McGillney and Chuck, and God bless Dale Howardchuk, another great player, Donald Odette, Doug Bodger, Grant Fuhrer, Dominic Hassick, So I've been lucky. The New York State teams I played on, I played on with great players. Um, I loved my time in Buffalo, and uh, as I did the Islanders and my, my one year as a Ranger. What did Rick Jennerette mean to you? There's oh, nobody better. Rick Jenneret was uh, 51 years. I, I was up there for his uh, ceremony and going into the rafters. I, I jokingly said he was always in the rafters. His voice was always from up top in the press box, and he was always talking to us down on the ice. Um, but he had a rare. He said, I jokingly wished him good luck. He says, well, now I'm in rarefied air. And I said... Rick, you've always been rarefied air with a rarefied voice and a special human being. So um, they don't, yeah, there's only one Rick Jenner. He is the voice of the Buffalo Sabres. How many people
1: greet you and say, la, 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 Fontaine?
3: <laughs> I got to tell you, I still go places. And uh, I'll be walking, I'll hear the la, la, la. And it's still, it still follows me. So I, I, I joke with Rick. But he said uh, it was a spur of the moment thing. He took Danny Gere and he pushed everybody back on the first goal and he just let it go. And uh, it's followed me ever since.
1: And obviously, the 1980 team, Olympic teams, always remember for the miracle on ice. But the 96 World Cup team uh, that you were part of, what is that, what, uh, winning that, how much did that really
3: help U.S. hockey? Well, listen, the 80 team opened up the gates for all of us young guys because I was 15 years old. That was the night of my 15th birthday. And um, that opened up the gates to dream bigger. And then 16 years later, it was it was nice because our generation got to pay it forward to do it in a, a, a best against best. One was a miracle. One was a you know World Cup. But I feel grateful that for the players that followed us, they could even dream bigger or, or understand that you just don't get there. You have to earn earn it to sit in the front of the bus. You know, we sat in the back of the bus for a while, Mm -hmm. but we earned it after a long period of time. And and we had to knock off the best at the time. And I always say their four centermen were Gretzky, Messier, Iserman, and Sakic. How do you lose with those four guys? But we found a way. Great goaltending. We were down the first game. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I'll always remember that team. Mike Richter, I don't know if Mike's here tonight, Mike Mike, uh, played unbelievable. Um, it's one of, the, one of the highlights I'll always remember, that special time. It was great for hockey. And, and more importantly, it was great for international hockey. It's great that, you know, the U.S. could rise to that level and inspire another generation.
1: Well, Pat, appreciate a few minutes. Again, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. What- and that wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I'd like to thank Bob Nystrom, Butch Koring, and Pat LaFontaine for being a part of the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot that's s-c-h-o-t-t at dailygazette.com follow me on twitter at slapshots. the views expressed on the parting shots podcast are not necessarily those of gazette newspapers the parting shots podcast is a production of gazette newspapers i'm daily gazette associate sports editor ken shot thanks for listening and i'll catch you next time from the parting shots podcast studio in schenectady new york good day good hockey